Good evening and welcome to this week's edition of Fundamentals, an OKC UK podcast. I'm your host, Tom Snowden, the founder of OKC UK. And unfortunately, I'm scared to report to the listeners that Brandon is not joining us this week. He has been in my DMs too much this week, so I was like, you need to give me some space, lad. So I've banned him from this week. No, I'm joking. He's working this week, unfortunately. But I've managed to get another valued member of the funder community to join me and he is uh, a host for the OKC Topic uh, Funder podcast, a contributor at Daily Funder and over time Heroics and that is Dylan Huntsinger who is the founder of Funder Chats, in my opinion the biggest funder fan page on Twitter and the best. Dylan how are you doing my friend? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great, Thomas. I appreciate the kind words you got to say about me and my Twitter account. Um, I, I really enjoy you on Twitter as well. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you know, we've we've had an interview before and I'm happy to be back and talking some Thunder basketball with you. It's nice to actually talk to you in this capacity this time compared to last time. Obviously, last time was a bit more pick your brains. And now, obviously, this as well is kind of picking your brains, but kind of in a different capacity. Yeah, not but in a no- car this time either. <laughs> no. Not in a car and saying, can you hear me every two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> no, I thank you for joining me. So uh, just a quick plug before we jump in. I just want to point the listeners towards uh, Brandon's Twitter page. You can find him at uh, Mr. OKC Tober. He's done a real fire article on Ty Jerome recently, which I'd recommend people uh, have a read about just to another one of Sam Presti's gems that has seemingly come out of nowhere. Obviously, we all thought, yeah, he only got picked one place below Darius Baisley, but I don't think anybody predicted the way he came out this season so far. So, as always, before we jump into some deep chat, we'll have a recap of the games that have taken place since the last podcast. So, there's been four of them. Starting off, uh, all the games at home, uh, a home defeat to the Grizzlies, 116-107. I thought the Grizzlies' offense was pretty tidy that night, although we kept Jarmer out quiet again. Doesn't seem to like to play us. Uh, Moses Brown just kept on being outstanding since he came into the team. And it was also Al Horford's last game, which could be, well, you'd like to expect for the funder, you'd expect him to possibly get traded in the off-season. Who knows? It's a big contract to get rid of. But based on how he's played this year, I do think. And it does actually make me quite sad that it's the end of Al Horford. Uh, we'll, we'll touch a bit on Al Horford later, get Dylan's thoughts on that. Uh, so moving on, the second game of the past week was a 111-94 loss to the Celtics. Tio Maladon put 22 points up, still... Had a bit of shooting issues. Again, we'll touch on that. But it's good to see Tio get a lot of points. Uh, Moses Brown, I didn't manage to catch this game live. So at half time, when he was rocking with 17 points and 19 rebounds, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, mm-hmm. I was getting pretty excited thinking he's going to go for a 30 and 30. Yeah. Give him a 30 30, yes, sir. <laughs> I, I think then, I said the same thing. And then, obviously, he just had a really quiet second half, finishing on 21 and 23, which is still outstanding for a second-year player. I wish Brandon was here, back me up. He'd say, I was right, 
again for probably the hundredth time since we've done these podcasts. I liked Moses Brown in the bare minutes he got before he went to the G League bubble, so I'm glad that he's just completely kicking on. Uh, Uh, Good on you for that take there. Yeah, I I, I didn't expect this out of Moses Brown. You know, I I saw a guy that was tall and that, you know, could get rebounds and, you know, put the ball, uh, you know, up on the basket, but I didn't see him completely dominating the boards like he has been. So, hey, good on you for that take, man. Stand by it. Wear it like a badge of honor. There's, there's been a few takes I've had this year that people <clears throat> have given me a bit of credit for. Like, obviously, I was a big uh, Poku fan as well. I think oh, yeah. I, I think I actually spoke to you pre-draft saying that Poku's the guy I want. I can't remember who it was that you said you wanted. Do you yeah, remember? Probably, probably, probably UK guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's called, it was probably Tyrus <laughs> but yeah Poku he's he's been a he's been a fun ride uh I was kind of upset when we drafted him but he's he's been a fun ride and I see the potential 100% I I saw a pre-draft I was really ecstatic that we got him in but it's it's been an up and down season certainly the ups seem to be coming a bit more now Mm -hmm. um so then the third game of the past week was a 127-106 loss to the Mavericks uh, Moses Brown got six points, nine rebounds, two steals, two blocks. That's not even a bad stat line. And that was one of his quiet games in terms of stats. But uh, I thought Pazingas was really good on him that night. Poku yeah, I think t- he put him on a poster a couple of times too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a work in progress from Moses. We know that his footwork is probably his weak point at the minute, which... It's understandable he hasn't had many minutes in the NBA, so that that will yeah. come with time. Excuse me, Poku took over in that game, twenty-one points, which is just refreshing to see. I don't think it's going to be long till he gets a thirty-point game. I really don't. Sibby uh, Luke had his first start. Been really impressed with Sibby. We'll talk. We'll talk about Sibby a bit more. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've been really impressed with Sibby since he's come in. He's been exactly what I think we need and I really hope that there's a contract there for him at the end of the season yeah. and that, that followed on again last night, their 113-103 win against the Raptors that was one of the games I looked at and went yeah we'll lose that So they still have Siakam, Van Vliet Boucher Surely Jr. showing up he just loves playing OKC that guy yeah, it, we we can add him to the list of names that I hate coming up against the likes of Mar- uh, Lamarcus Aldridge or Andrew Wiggins. Just always seem to turn up against OKC. They play for those games, but no, he he was brilliant last night, Gary Trent Jr. Mm. Uh, Sibby had twenty two and nine nine rebounds. He just again took over, and also shout out again Moses Brown had another solid game, but I thought Isaiah Roby was fantastic last night. Uh, yeah. really solid game although the only thing I'll say about Isaiah Roby was I'm slightly disappointed he didn't keep the hairstyle for more than a game like when when he, oh, rocked, yeah, when he pulled when, it back when he rocked that hairstyle it generally took because I missed the starting five I put the game on I was making myself a cup of tea or something and it generally took me a couple of possessions to work out who that was <laughs> yeah it just it just knocked me straight back Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had the same hair all year, but yeah, I couldn't decide if it made him look young, even younger than what he looked already, or if it made him look older. But yeah, I, I rocked with the hairstyle, but you know, I, I rock with the pro too, so I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, start, we'll start off 
uh, talking about everything this week with the first segment. We'll do a bit of rookie watch to start. So Poku and Tio Maladon obviously are rookies this year. Uh, you've heard enough about what I think of Tio and Poku. Poku's going to be solid. I, I think if I think Poku's a top five player if the player was going to be uh, redrafted. I, I think he would get picked in that top five. He's shown enough. Ball handling skills is incredible for a guy of his stature. Tio Maladon was obviously projected to be a lottery pick pre-draft. Obviously fell a bit, but he's, he's shown glimpses. I was incredibly happy to see him get a lot of minutes last night as the primary ball handler, which I've been calling for. Yes, turnovers are an issue. That's a rookie. It's, he's he's going to learn. Uh, and he's obviously having a bit of an issue shooting. He's shooting like 30% in the last week or so off a high uh, amount of shots. But if we start off talking, tell you what, pick, pick a rookie. What are your thoughts on our rookies this year? I mean, I'll just get some thoughts on all of them if that's fine. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll keep it quick. Um, you know, Poku, I kind of already talked about him. Um, you know, he was a guy that I was not at, particularly excited about at draft day like i understood why we did it um i just didn't understand why i didn't like that we had to trade up for it It is is basically what it came down to like if if we ended up with pokoshevsky i understood why because you know he has such a high ceiling it's like such a huge swing to do on draft day and that's kind of what we're going to be seeing uh, from sam presti you know we have five picks next year. And I mean, if one of them's a top five, like he's not going to swing, he's going to probably take like, you know, a sure bet at top five, but those other picks, he's going to try to make a swing and, you know, see if he can get somebody with a really high ceiling to fit with this team. So <clears throat> I understand why he did it. And I think that, um, I forgot what game it was. Uh, let me see. I think, Man, I can't. I, I, it was the Grizzlies game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, when Poku and Shea both went nuts. But I think Poku hit like four threes in that second half, and like just just straight up like took over, and like it really gave us a lot of momentum, and I I really enjoyed it. And you know, ever since then, like you know, I'll, I, I keep saying on Twitter, all he needs is to see is one shot go down, and he's like, oh, I can't miss tonight. So. I admire the confidence. Uh, I admire the swag that he plays with. Um, you know, he's not scared to do anything on the court. So I, I rock with Poku now. You know, it's some of the experience are more funny than anything, but, you know, I, I see something there. There's something to work with. Um, as far as Teo goes, <clears throat> man, I, I, I think Teo's like – I, I did a uh, cross bolts with uh, Brandon Raybar and Olivia Panchal for uh, Daily Thunder. And we was talking about the young player that we want um, in the next five years on the Thunder, not Shea, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Olivia said Baisley. She's an apologist for Baisley. Brandon said Dort. You know, he's the people's champion. And I said Taylor Maladum <clears throat> because this guy is a 19-year-old rookie. He was Tony Parker's protege. Like Tony Parker's been mentoring this guy for the past, you know, couple of years. And he's already in in the NBA. He's taking his opportunity. He's running with it. He's showing that he can score with the best of them. He's showing that he can handle the ball. He can create offense. He can play off of the ball. He can be a spot-up shooter. Like he's he's shown a lot of versatility already. And I've kind of said you know, Teo's ceiling for me is kind of that six man in a shooter role, but 
dude, if he can keep, if he can keep, uh, you know, adding on to his game and developing and growing, like you know, this team does the young players. I don't know, dude. Dude might be able to start off with Shea. Like you know, maybe say we get like an Evan Mobley this year or something like that. You could absolutely start Teo Maladon, Shea, Dor, and Mobley alongside each other. So, um, yeah, man, I, I really love Teo. And then uh, another rookie I got here, Josh Hall. You know, I've uh, he's only played the past three games, um, Mavericks of, of being the best game, but he's so smooth, man. Like, there's definitely something there. He's been hurt all year, and, you know, he didn't even really get to play that much in the G League bubble. We sent him down there, and everybody was kind of excited to watch him play. But um, especially in that Mavericks game, he had 10 points, 3-6 shooting, 1-2 from deep. He had an assist and a rebound. Like, the guy has scoring in his blood. And I'm not sitting here telling you he's going to lead the league in scoring or he's going to be, like, the star that we have to pair with Shea. But – I'm saying Presty might have found him a diamond in the rough. And uh, actually, my podcasting mate, uh, Stephen Dolan, at Steve Thunderfan, he actually talked about this on Twitter. He said, um, in regards to the Moses Brown deal, you know, um, the Thunder, they brought these guys on for two-way. Lou Dort, Moses Brown, they brought them on for two-way. Even Deontay Burton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they worked their butt off, they improved, and they rewarded them with a full-time contract. And he said – you know, that could be why Josh Hall came. Like, these guys that miss out in the draft that teams miss out on, they could be seeking out the Thunder for these future two-way deals so we can be getting even more diamonds in the rough in the future, which would be awesome as, you know, we're in this rebuilding stage. So, yeah, man, I've been really impressed with Josh Hall, and I think that, uh, you know, he's just next in line of that uh, diamond in the rough two-way contract that Presti just got out of nowhere. Yeah, but seemingly building a reputation for that with players, which is obviously a good thing mm-hmm. when you look at OKC and as much as you hate to say it, you're like, yeah, we're, we're kind of a small market, although obviously we managed to 10 players to stay, the likes of Paul George in the past. Um, but with, with, I'll touch on quickly a couple of things that you said. Poku with his shot, you're completely right with his confidence. He gets one and it seems to uh, get him going. I said quite early on uh, in his early minutes throughout the team, he has a very quick shot, a very mm-hmm. Ray Allen-esque, because it's also a very low shot the way he shoots three. Like He also he, looks like a dolphin when he shoots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can completely see that. But yeah, but he, he shoots very quickly and he's also very mm-hmm. low, kind of similar to Ray Allen. But that, Poku, for me, he's... Give, give him minutes, carry on the way he's going. He's, he's going to be an incredible talent, I think, Poku. Tio, sure. again, you're completely right with everything that you said. Again, the shooting worries me. The turnovers worry me at times, but I do think his ceiling as well is a six-man <clears throat> guy, which there's nothing wrong with six, mm-hmm. six, six men still capable of playing 25, 30-minute games, which is pretty Absolutely. much like, which is like a starter. Um, and then Josh Hall, from what I've seen of him so far, it, in my eyes, I can see two former OKC players mixed into one. Oh, and that gives you Josh you Hall. See, see if you can have a guess. See if we're on a similar wavelength. <sighs> okay. Um, don't don't have to go too far back. All right, I'm gonna say Paul George. Is that one of them? No. Nope. Nope, dang. <laughs> no. I fell I fell the game. I lost the game. 
Go ahead, tell me. You, you might call me crazy, but I see I see Hammy Diallo in him. Okay. With a mix of Terence Ferguson. And I'm I'm not a big Tifo guy either. I'll put yeah. my hand on heart that when the George Hill trade went through and it looked like we were getting Tifo back, I was not happy. <laughs> but obviously that 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 didn't happen. But just just in their play styles, like a mix of them both. The hammy swagger, the hammer attack of the rim that I think Josh Hall does very well at. The same kind of context how when he attacks the rim, he gets himself in a bit of trouble as well. Like when he does it all too often, you saw Josh Hall last night was attacking the rim and getting into a crowd of people similar to how Hammy would. But it will come with experience that I, I do rate Josh Hall. And I do think he is another one, as you say, who could go from a two-way to a full-time. Uh, obviously, it's still early days. I, I haven't. He's one player I'm actually really excited to watch because he's similar to Moses Brown at the start of the season, who is one as I write his eye catchy. I haven't seen enough of him. I'm willing to put my time into him to see what he can do now. Who is that now? I, I couldn't hear you. Josh Hall. Oh, okay. You still talk about Josh Hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it's interesting you say that he's Hami and Ferg mixed together because Hami's rookie year when Ferg was considered like, you know, not like a lockdown defender, but like probably like a top 15 defender. I don't think that was like a stretch um, in that time. But uh, everybody's sentiment was like, it'd be great if we could just mix Hamdu Diallo and Terrence Ferguson. Like Hami's aggressiveness and his scoring around the basket and Ferguson's defensive acumen and footwork – and you mix them together and it make like a really solid role player. So, hey, if Josh Hall is Hami Ferguson, I'm on board, man. <laughs> I'm on board. That's, that's his nickname now. Hami Ferguson is the name. Absolutely. Does it roll like Terrence Diallo? No, it doesn't. <laughs> but no, moving on. So the next segment is Tom's Take. The listeners know this is a take that I give and the people a try and argue either to or against it so i had a bit of trouble trying to think of one this week so they're hard to try and come up with every week but mm-hmm. knowing dylan who's obviously a great friend of the page i speak to him every now and then we speak every now and then about upcoming drafts and one player that he made me aware of was or well, i was aware of him but made me look into him a bit more was jason kaminga jonathan why did i say jason I don't, don't know why I said Jason, but Jonathan. I got the J right. I was half right. Yeah. But yeah, Jonathan Kaminga, you told me to have a look into him, which I did. So <clears throat> so my take this week is actually going to revolve around Jonathan Kaminga. All right. And that is that OKC need Jonathan Kaminga more than they need Kay Cunningham or even Mobley. Now, I'm not saying that if we have the first pick, we don't take Cade. If we have the first pick, we take Cade. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying we need Kaminga more than the two projected to go above Kaminga based on at the sh- at the point guard, I really like Shy. I really like Ty Jerome, I really like Tio Maladon. You get Cade in there as well, one of them's likely traded. Obviously, Shy's not going to be traded, so it'll be Ty or Tio. I think it'll be too many minutes to give out in that one position. I know a lot well the OKC identity uh, a point guard can play at the three it happened last year with Dennis Schroeder Chris Paul it's happened this year having Tio and Ty Jerome and Shy on the court at the same time 
it just happens. And even Mobley, Tony Bradley, I quite like those two at the five. Isaiah Roby's capable at the five. Baisley, I don't like at the five, but is capable. Mm. But I think Kaminga is what we need. What do you think? I like it, man. Like, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play by my own rules a little bit. So I'm gonna agree and I'm also gonna, you know, play a little bit of devil's advocate. So obviously I like Kaminga, you know, I told you you know, to kind of look into him. And that's solely off what I saw in the G League bubble. Like watching the G League bubble, Jonathan Kaminga, like, you know, everybody's excited for Jalen Green and um, you know, you got Paul Reed winning G League finals MVP and all that stuff. But the guy that I was most impressed with was Jonathan Kaminga, and it's his body, his ability to get into the get into the lane at will. Um, you know, he showed the willingness to shoot. Like, you know, he he, he didn't have a great shooting showcase in the GE League bubble, but um, he's shown the willingness to shoot, and I don't think his shot looks broken. So I think that's going to come along. Uh, he was pretty good at shooting the free throws, so I feel like that's a pretty good indicator that you know that will come around. And I mean, dude's just—he's an athletic freak. He's long. He's athletic. He can defend. I mean, Pressy's drooling as you know we're recording this podcast, and I'm telling you those things. So that—that um, that is my case for um, against. Uh, you know, like you said, with the you know, if we get number one, we take Cave. Like, 100% understand. And like you said, you know, Shea's great as the point guard. I'm right there with you. I've been saying before the season that, hey, we've already got our point guard this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not he's not shooting, but he's our point guard. And, you know, he's his assists don't look like crazy, like Russell Westbrook getting 10 assists a game. But if you look at the talent around Shea compared to the rest of the league, like, it, it's it's night and day. If he had, you know, these top five guys, and Evan Mobley, a Jonathan Kaminga, somebody like that, his assists would probably go up because right now he's in the hundredth percentile for pick and roll ball handlers. Um, I think points per hundred possession or something like that with Isaiah Roby, Moses Brown and Al Horford half of the year. Like that's, I love all those guys. That's, (laughs) that's kind of bottom tier. So just imagine what he could do with somebody like an Evan Mobley, a guy that can shoot a guy that can, dribble and drive into the lane a guy that can you know finish lobs like i mean just i'm just salivating at the possibility of a shea gilgis alexander evan moley pick and roll and like that being your like main source of offense like everything plays through that because if you have that everything else opens up Sfee's open on the wing dort's open on the wing uh basley's cutting in the lane on the pick and roll like that opens up your entire offense. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, I, I 100%, like, if we got Jonathan Kaminga, I would be ecstatic. If we got anybody in the top five, I would be ecstatic. But in terms of fit, which I which I think is the whole basis of your point, Jonathan Kaminga is 100% the best fit. Um, it's just when you're in this rebuild mode, you kind of forget about fit. You just take best available. At, at the top of the draft you know once you get outside the lottery you probably start looking more at fit but yeah i understand we're, we're quite lucky with the draft obviously coming up like as long as you get a top five pick you're getting a baller i know the other two that we don't mention is Jalen suggs and green isn't it yep two j ones there's Jalen as well there's that there's that many greens around you never know which one it is uh 
for now. I really like Kaminga. Had a really good dive into him. Is on my list to do to look at the two Jalen's uh, as well. Got to know what we're in for. I still have faith at that top five. Got to have got to have a little bit of faith. But we, I think we're a bit reliant now on other teams rather than what we do. So obviously yeah, we, we we've got to be the best tanking team in history. <laughs> yeah, we just gotta. And I mean, after after that Raptors game, I don't, I don't know, man. If we can't lose that game without Shea, Dort, Poku, Baisley, Moose, Horford, any of those guys, and you know, if the Raptors pretty much full strength without Kyle Lowry, then I don't know what games we can lose. But um, yeah, as as long as Houston keeps that worst record, which you know they're right there with the Timberwolves. They have just a little, like, I think it's a 47% chance at the, at the number five pick and combined one through four is like 53% chance to land in the one through four. So it's not quite 50-50, but it's really close. It te- technically is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really close. So I, I know, uh, you know, the odds aren't really in our favor, you know, four picks to one, like we have to fall on that one, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I've, I've talked about June 22nd is probably going to shape the next decade for the NBA because you'll either have OKC getting multiple picks in the top 10, the Magic getting multiple picks in the top 10. Will the Timberwolves keep that pick or do the Warriors get a two top five picks back-to-back drafts? Yeah. So, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen that can kind of, you know, shake up the landscape of the NBA. I, th- I think it's kind of needed as well. Not that the NBA is bland. It's just a bit bit more excitement into the league as well. Not that it's not exciting. It's just it's just always great to get more exciting. Yeah. Especially, especially, exactly. Especially the amount of talent coming in this year based to last year's draft. Last year's draft wasn't, wasn't a great draft. I, you could probably write down 10 names out of last year's draft off the top of my head without mm-hmm. having to research it, which obviously isn't great. Um, so, so since the last podcast, the last week we recorded a day before the trade deadline. Obviously, I expected George Hill to be traded, which he was. I expected uh, Mike Miscala to be traded. I think we all did, uh, especially with what he can offer. But amazingly, he didn't, uh, didn't get traded. But the George Hill trade went through in a three-team trade with New York involved as well, which gave us Tony Bradley, two second-round picks, and Austin Rivers, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Austin Rivers got waived, which I was absolutely buzzing about. Not that I dislike Austin Rivers at all. I think he's a good player. It's just give the minutes to those who are part of the future. Yeah, We, we, are, ha- we are happy with the package we got. I'm, I'm not uh, a big watcher of Tony Bradley. I haven't seen a lot of him, but I have a good Philly f- uh, friend of mine who's very high on him. And obviously, the tweets with Joel Embiid mm-hmm. is pretty high praise as well. What are your thoughts on Tony Bradley? Yeah, I, I think I think the Embiid tweets have a hint of sarcasm laced in them, but um, I, I do like Tony Bradley. I like his activity on the floor. Um, you know, he. He isn't really this generation's NBA big. He's kind of like a throwback big. He kind of does a lot of things that Moses Brown can do. Um, so I don't know about his future with the team. I, I know he got a lot of hype, and he's kind of grown and developed this year, especially in Embiid's absence. So 
it, it is kind of exciting to have him on the team. You know, maybe he does turn into something. Who knows? But, yeah, I think two seconds um, was just about right for George Hill. Um, you know, there was a lot of people saying that, oh, we're going to get a first. We're going to get a first young player. And I'm like, no, man. Like, and that, that that's kind of the problem with the Thunder fan base as a whole. You know, we've been spoiled. We have Sam Presti as our GM, and he gets these – absolute like robberies like sleuths from other gms on their package so we tend to overvalue our players and their return and when you take a step back and look at it from you know thirty thousand feet then you know two two second round picks for george hill alone is great but you know you get that young prospect in bradley and some financial flexibility with rivers you know it's it's even better so yeah i, d- I don't think we would have got better than what we got for George Hill, I think that was a really good value return. I think we got back. Uh, I think we got more back than what I originally expected. Yeah. So talk, talking about players, uh, the fans, on how they value certain pieces in the franchise. I agree. How some Thunder fans, everything's just like it's a first. It's a first round pick. Uh, he's worth a first round pick. He's worth a first round pick. But it's, it's brought me on. It. it got me thinking about last week's Tom's take so I want to quickly ask you that as well so my my take last week was that Kenrich Williams is worth a first round pick based on everything he brings and how good his contract is you like because of how small his contract is he's the type of player mm-hmm. you could you could trade a team could easily take on that money and we could just get a first round pick back when that's been nothing else do you reckon he's worth a first? I'd say he's worth a top 20 first round pick. Uh, he was actually a guy that I kind of threw around on the podcast of, you know, a sneaky guy to maybe get traded at the deadline. Because if you're looking at winning and you're wanting this team to tank so they can get that top five pick, Kendrick Williams, Kendrick Williams is one of the biggest culprits <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to winning those basketball games. So, I think that if the Thunder were really going to show their cards and try to tank, Kenny would have been out of here. But I think they do like what Kenny brings to the table in terms of his effort and his defense and uh, his versatility on both ends. Um, you know, I thought a team like the Miami Heat or, you know, any, any kind of contender could use a Kenrich Williams out there. So, um, yeah, I, I thought he would get moved. And I thought, you know, a late first round – depending on the situation maybe we gotta take a contract back or something like that but like yeah i mean i, I could absolutely see it like he uh he's like uh, he this was a guy that i was upset about because i wanted the thunder to keep frank jackson and uh they kept kendrick williams and isaiah Roby, and i had to eat my words on both of them so uh just shows that sam preston knows a little bit more about basketball than i do <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we touched on that a couple of weeks ago as well with Brandon Rabal when he came on saying about who we waived at the start of the season. Obviously, people were calling for Isaiah Roby to be waived. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, TJ Leaf was another one who did get waived. And Roby was another one who, with a very big smile on my face, I was behind at the start of the season saying, like, no, this I like this guy. He needs minutes. He will improve. And I, I think he has. I think he's actually having a very, very solid season. Um, oh, yeah. well, now, uh, talking with uh, Kenny Hustle as well, I think I, I think me and you spoke about how we both said we could see him actually go into Miami. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, 
in, in particular, I'm really surprised that he stayed. I'm really surprised Muscala stayed for sure. I was, I was 100 percent sure he was going. Um, and obviously, there were rumours of Frank Jackson going as well. Yeah, I uh, Justin Jackson. You mean Justin Jackson? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, sorry, it's 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 late for me, guys. Yeah. No, I, I completely <laughs> understand. Yeah, and we were just talking about Frank Jackson, so it's all good. Yeah. No, I was. I was particularly happy to see Moose stay. Obviously, you know, we, we have... Obviously, you're, you're, friend, you're friends with him now. Uh, yeah. quick, quick, quick plug. Obviously, Dylan and the rest of the chaps at the Top Topic uh, podcast on a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Mike Muscala. Listen to it. I was also buzzing as well because Mike Muscala answered my question. I don't know whether you said that in there for me or whatnot, but he answered my question, which... Was a little. I don't know why I, I fanboyed a little bit. I was like, oh, <laughs> "God, he's 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 answered my question." Um, but no, there, there was generally a really fire podcast. Obviously, I'm extremely jealous. I've tried reaching out to a few of the players and failed. But I was really impressed with his chess knowledge as well. Is it is, was it you who's playing chess with him? Yeah, we we all try playing chess with him. Um, I'm I'm way out of my league on not just Mike Muscala, but Maddie Mules, Jerry, and Steven. All just just wha- Connor even beat me at chess, which I'm like, dude, you're the young guy. Like you're not supposed to beat beat me at chess. But yeah, so I was just like, all right, my dad was just gassing me up when I was a kid. That's cool. But uh, <laughs> no, man, yeah, well, we really enjoyed having Mike. And as far as your question goes, man, I said, you know, we're gonna pick the three best questions and ask on the pod, and we thought yours was one of the three best, so. You know, credits where credit where it's due. Appreciate that. So that that talk brings me on nicely to talking about Mike Muscala. I d- I d- really don't see him getting minutes at all now, unless Moses Brown or Tony Bradley get injured, which I think he's accepted. It's been rumored that uh, Presty's spoken to Mike, and Mike's completely mm-hmm. understanding of everything going on. Obviously, Al Horford's doing the same now for the rest of the season. I'm really surprised he's looking like he's hanging around in OKC, which I think is absolutely superb from him because he didn't have to, I'm sure. I'm sure Pressy might have given him the choice to say you can, you can go home if you want, but it's been great. He was still jumping up and down out of his seat last night on yeah. certain plays, so it shows it. I think it might have got under his skin a bit, similar to how Chris Paul how it got under Chris Paul's skin and how into these youngsters that Chris Paul was last year and now Al Horford is this year. I'm, I'm sad to see that Horford's obviously sitting. It's the correct move for me, but I think he's certainly raised his value this season. And Mike Muscala, I don't think there's a single Thunder fan that will tell you they don't like him. I'm not a big fan of his defence, but what he does on offence is incredible. Um what are your thoughts on Horford sitting the rest of the season? And do you think there's any minutes now for Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand Horford sitting. Um, you know, when it first came out, you know, I kind of like, oh, this is like 100% a tank move. But honestly, if you look at the record, like I, I don't have the record in front of me, but like I don't feel like we played particularly super worse with Horford out. So it doesn't really affect tanking that much. Um what it basically boils down to is Al Horford still has some in the tank and he's shown that this season and he didn't get to go to a team because, you know, his contract is, you know, still just abnormally large. And, you know, in this off season, this draft, maybe the start of the season next year, 
you know, that's one less year you have to pay. I think his last year is like partially guaranteed. So basically you're paying one full guaranteed year and then a partially guaranteed for Horford if things don't work out. So, you know, then you could buy him out that year if you want to, um, you know, the other team, you know, that would be trading for him. Yeah. So, um, of course, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a cautionary move. You know, they don't want anything to happen to him because they want him to, you know, he came down here, he played ball. Uh, he was great with the young guys. He was great for the culture. And, you know, he he went out there and basically he didn't pull Trevor Ariza. So, you know, when, when you come down there and you play ball, Sam Presti's going to play ball with you and try to send you to a situation that's beneficial for both of you. So I fully expect that to happen off-season draft, maybe beginning of the season, something like that. Uh, by the trade deadline, Al Horford will not be on this team next year. I will be shocked if it takes to the trade deadline, but by the trade deadline, he gone. <laughs> um, as far as Moose goes, yeah, I, I, I know the report came out, I think with the Al Horford news that um, Moose would likely not play the rest of the year because they're kind of going more in the direction of the young guys. And even before Woj put it out, they asked uh, Coach Dagnall about it. And he said, I would say Mike's minutes look more so like they had the last few games, which is a big goose egg. So yeah. uh, I, I'm happy Moose is here. I think he's, he's great for the locker room. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the guys like, you know, he's great for the culture and he's, he's impacted winning. He's also a culprit for some of the reason or for some of the games that we've been winning. So uh, he's right there along with them, but uh, I mean, he's hurt right now too. Like his, mm -hmm. his ankles, you know, he, it's been wrapped the past couple games. So yeah, I, I don't know how he gets on the court when he gets on the court, but I will say this, you know, I've grown a little close to Mike. Like, I'm not going to tell you, like I'm one of his best friends or anything like that, but the guy that actually connected us, Zach Noble, who was on our podcast as well. He does mm -hmm. uh, Noble and Roosh podcast for Ball's Life. Um, he's actually tight with Mike, like he's golf with Mike. And he told us on our podcast when he was on there that he thinks Mike has kind of moved around, you know, here, here and there throughout his NBA career. And he's kind of ready to settle down and, you know, set some roots. And he's been very complimentary of the organization, very complimentary of Presti and even Mark Dagnall and his teammates. So I feel like this is a place that he likes being. He's not rocking the boat. And if he wants to stay, dude, become the next Nick Collison. Like that's, that's what I'm calling for for Mike Muscala, man. Just eat up veteran contracts until you want to call it, call it quits. And then we'll put you in the front office. So yeah, man, like I, uh, I I'm, I'm ecstatic. Mike's still here. And I, I hope he's here when we start to turn, you know, make this turn around and start winning games. I hope that he can be a part of that. No, I, I agree. But like me saying, I 100% expected him to go. That wasn't me saying I wanted him to go. I, yeah, no, I, no, no. I love, love Moose. And um, back in what you said then when he was on your pod, um, he, sp he spoke uh, very well about OKC and Sam Presti, as you said, which is obviously refreshing to hear, especially from a player themselves. They don't, they don't have to say what they say. So like... Mm -hmm. When he spoke about OKC the way he did, it reminded me of uh, Nerlens Noel last season in one of those post-game interviews where he said it's generally the fun, uh, the funnest year he's had as a pro in the league, based on the identity, the way we play, the way the franchise is run, which is just huge compliments to Sam Presti. Obviously, best best GM in the league for me by far. Yes, sir. Excuse me. He he looks after the players. He 
we're set up for a future. We were set up for the future before the future even began. Which, <laughs> how often it's does the end that of happen? The future, seems like. Yeah, he's 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 incredible. He, as as I said a couple of days ago, I'm just going to refer to him as Sir Sam now. So he he just needs some respect on his name, and he was robbed of executive of the year last year, in my opinion. Same yeah. as Dennis Schroeder was robbed of sixth man. So going to go a bit personal to you now so i wanted to get your thoughts on something that's not really accessible in this country and that's college basketball okay obviously obviously i know you're a big uk fan which mm-hmm. for a lot of people in this country would be i didn't <laughs> know the united kingdom had a team playing yeah. college basketball but no that's the university of kentucky obviously for those of you who don't know much about Kentucky do some research they've had an amazing amount of players come through that have gone on to big things in the NBA most recently Shai Gilgis Alexander Shai Gilgis Alexander Hami Diallo they've had incredible amount of talents um so I wanted to know what's what's it like to support a college team obviously I know you're from Kentucky as well so it's mm-hmm. considered your local but what's it like supporting a college team as well as a a NBA team? So I've always said if I was to support a college team, I would support Kentucky as well, probably due to SGA, Hammy Diallo and whatnot. But it's, it's huge in that country as well. It's huge, just college sports in general. I know they go mad for college uh, American football. I'm, mm-hmm. not call, I'm not calling it football because it's not football. <laughs> <laughs> It's American. It's American football. You might as well call it rugby. It's it's just it's just, it's another. It's American rugby. Call it that. Um, but no, what? Why is it so big in that country? And what is it about the college game that you love so much? Uh, I'll be honest with you, man. Like I, I'm a huge UK fan. Like still, um, I would say over the past couple of years, my love for the Thunder has kind of usurped my love for UK um not the case my high school years um I was my high school college years like I was I was wearing blue head to toe every day I had a sticker on my car I had you know UK phone case like you name it like I I could tell you all the recruits coming in next year I could name everybody on the roster alphabetically like you know stop it yeah no but um I don't know, man. Like it's, it's something that I kind of grew into, you know, my dad was a big UK fan and I, I kind of watched games with him. I, I was born um, in the year that uh, Christian Leitner hit that shot against us. So that sucks, but now showing, um, showing your age. Huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. 28 <laughs> years old, man. I'm, I'm feeling older every day. So, um, but now like, just kind of growing up with it and once I really got an appreciation for sports you know my middle school years my high school years and I started paying attention um you know I I just I I grew I grew passionate about it you know like I love basketball and at the time I wasn't huge in the NBA because the NBA wasn't super accessible uh for one like you know you didn't have social media you didn't have NBA league pass you didn't have all these things that you could do to watch basketball games but if you lived in Kentucky, you can rest assured you're not you're not going to miss a Kentucky game on TV. So, um, I guess that's kind of what gravitated me toward towards it. And um, you know, getting to go to the games, getting to go to the Big Blue Madness, um, camping out for Big Blue Madness with my friends. You know, like 
we literally just camp out for a week outside of Memorial Coliseum waiting for tickets for Big Blue Madness. And, you know, the players coming out there and passing out pizza and donuts and just interacting with the fans, signing stuff. Like, it, it's, it's just an experience that, you know, you don't get, like, with an NBA team. It, it's just, you know, they're, they're night and day um, difference. And I don't know, man. I just – uh you know, like I said, I've just kind of come up with it. And, uh, you know, eventually I, I grew a passion for it myself. And even though it's not as high up as the thunder for me now, like, you know, I still keep tabs. I'm just not, I I don't know the name of the four-star recruit that's coming to us next year. So, <laughs> so did, did you, is there any famous players in the league now that gave you pizza while you were camping outside? Oh yeah, man. Uh, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis and uh, Demarcus Cousins. I actually played cornhole with them. So, oh right, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Is it, no, I mean it, it, it's ridiculous the amount of access. Like you know, with COVID and everything, and even you know people kind of being crazy. Like that's that's kind of calmed down. Like they don't really do that anymore. I don't even think they had to camp out the past two years or anything like that. But no, like John, like I used to have. Uh, I don't know why I look behind me like they're behind me, but I have shirts like with all the signatures of the John Wall team in 2010 with John Wall, Bledsoe, Cousins, and our boy Darius Miller, mm-hmm. uh, 2011, uh, Brandon Knight, Terrence Jones, Josh Harrelson, Jerron Lamb. Then 2012 team was when we had Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones, Marcus T, Jerron Lamb, Kyle Wilcher, and Darius Miller, of course. So, yeah, like I got signatures from all of them. And, you know, like you play cornhole with them. Uh, they came out and did like fake dunk contests and three on three sometimes on the blue court. So that was fun to watch. And, you know, they you know, they would pass out salmon rolls in the morning. They pass out pizza at night sometimes. Like, you know, it was, it was just a fun time, you know, just being together with a bunch of other people that like the same thing as you. And, you know, you all just kind of coming together for the week and, you know, enjoying that experience. Do you tend to watch them in the league then in terms of like cheering them on, knowing where they've come from? Oh, yeah, yeah. Any any UK player, um, I, I'm always rooting for, you know, like it's it's kind of it's kind of pointed this year, you know, with Fox, Murray and Shea kind of being in that same conversation in terms of like, you know, guards in the league. I'm like, you know, Shea's, Shea's probably better than both of them, but I still like them a lot. So um, the only player that I didn't I didn't like for a time was DeMarcus Cousins whenever he went to the Warriors. I was like, all right, we're on probation until further notice, Buggy. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say I would say DeMarcus Cousins probably is the only player that I really had a problem with for a little bit. But we're good now. Buggy's good now. No, I, I, I can relate to that. It's like you you always cheer on, like say either the people that you've grown up watching so in terms of the college uh, basketball or people who might be from Kentucky or from nearby where you are it's, it's similar to to me like we in this country a lot of people cheer on OG Ananobi so mm-hmm. obviously, he's, obviously he's a Brit and a high standard Brit as well obviously we're trying to get more players over into the league obviously proving difficult but we hope to get there one day but no, thank, thanks for that. It's nice to get a bit of insight into the college ball. It's something I do want to start watching. As I said, it's just hard to watch in this country. Hard, unless you find a stream of it somewhere, which you don't mm-hmm. always want to do. It's not the same just trying to find streams for it. Um, so no, I, I said before we came on, I wanted to touch on something 
so obviously I interviewed Dylan for an article a while ago on the page, probably well over a year ago now. And we, we spoke about, or one of the questions I asked him was, how do you rank this season based on previous? How enjoyable has it been? So that was the CP3 team. It was obviously an incredible watch. And then I said a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I think it might have been one of Tom's takes again, how I said, for me, this season has been funner to watch than last season. And that's because all of the quotes I keep saying is I'm not interested in the one-night stand, which is what last year's team was. I'm interested in the long-term relationship, which is what this year's team is. Because this year I find myself, obviously, there's no pressure on us to win or lose. Obviously, we'd like to lose, try and boost our picks. But if we win, it's not the end of the world. Woohoo, we've won. But um, it's just been great to watch and cheer on these guys, watching them develop, think at the start of the season, right, this player needs to work on this. And then as the season's gone on, you've seen the improvements of these players. So obviously, you, you said last season, and I'm pretty sure the quote was along the lines of, last, se- last season was one of the funnest for you. How have you ranked this season compared to previous Thunder seasons? Well, first of all, you just had to go make it sexual. I feel like I'm talking to Champagne Jerry on my own podcast here. I, I, say, <laughs> it, I, I say it every week, every week. Uh, it's like the where's my dad jokes with Jerry, but no. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I, uh, it, it's been fun. It's been a different kind of fun. Um, I don't, I don't think it ranks like, you know, with last year, um, or even, you know, that that final that Western Conference Finals run year that we had with Russ and KD, or even the finals run. Like, I, I would put it probably lower than most seasons because it, it's just it, – it's kind of in its own category because those other years, it, it was fun because we were chasing something. Last year, it was fun because we wasn't expecting it and we overachieved. This year, we were kind of uh, – honestly, depending on what you how you look at it, we kind of expected something and we're underachieving what we're, <laughs> what we're expecting in terms of the tank goes. So it hasn't been fun in terms of that, but in terms of like watching the young guys grow, like Shea and Dort, um, Poku getting his chance, Teo, Baisley, you know, we got to get back on the court so he can continue to grow. And then, you know, these guys that come up out of nowhere, like Ty Jerome and Kenrich Williams and Isaiah Roby and, Sfima Hailuk, like just dropping 22 points, pulling up from Curry range out of nowhere last night, like stuff like that is fun. Um, like I said, it's just it's just a different kind of fun, and it also it's it's kind of it it's kind of like begrudging fun because it's like ah they're doing so good, but dang that we're winning again. It's it's not what we're used to as well. Obviously, yeah. it's it's this year is going to be our first losing season since our very first season in the league. Which mm-hmm. is obviously that's a, that's a long term time in success. So it, it's it's a lot different. Obviously, I've only been a Thunder fan. It was it turned four years the other day when uh, people were posting it all over Twitter. Westbrook's fifty seven points against the Magic. That was actually mm-hmm. the very that was actually the very first Thunder game that I watched live, and uh, it was from what that a game day. to start. It was it it was from that day on that I went right. I'm a Thunder fan now. Because I, I I fell in love with Westbrook that night and the passion he plays with. I love I love watching players that play with passion, which is why I was a huge fan of Hammy Diallo as well. Wears his heart on his sleeve. It's just I I can't get enough of it. 
but no, this this season for me, it has, it has been fun. I completely get what you're saying. It's a it's a different type of fun, mm-hmm. but I, I've I've enjoying I'm enjoying it. I big big thoughts on the way this team's going to go in the future. A lot of these players that just seems you can just re-sign them now. We've already got our core for the future that are only going to carry on getting better. You'd likely expect a lot of them might be moved on or whatnot in trades to move up trade board, uh, draft boards or whatnot. But who knows? Sam Presti is very good at pulling surprises and rinsing teams for fun. It seems yeah. like it seems like he wakes up, gets on the phone, and goes, "Yeah, I'll rinse these today." <laughs> yeah, and it, it is fun, you know, to watch the team play. You know, kind of free like they have been on offense. Like uh, credit to Coach Dagnall and the staff. Like I think this offense, like this is a fun offense to watch. You know, NBA basketball in, and I think that with the appropriate players in the appropriate spot, um, built around Shagos Alexander, I think it could be a tremendously effective offense as well. Um, and not only that, you know, you know we we kind of poke fun at it. You know, the the players keep winning the games that we're not supposed to win, but at the same time, like, you know, in a couple of years when we've got, you know, a couple top five prospects in our back pocket, you know, on this roster and you still have Svee and Kendrick Williams, Ty Jerome contributing like they have, like Teo and Poku, you know, hopefully growing at that point, Baisley, Dort, and Shave and maybe taking another step because dude just improves anytime he has an off season. Um, at that point, those winning habits, while they were annoying in the tanking years, like that's going to be something that is going to be important to that team because they're going to be ready to make that next step and win. And it's something we saw all too often with the Russ teams. And it's not just Russ. It's it's not just anybody. It was just those teams. Like we would go into a game with like the Sacramento Kings and two minutes left, we're down four points with the Hex happening. We're clearly better than these guys. And then we go play against the Golden State Warriors and we beat them by 20. Like, you know, it's just we didn't get up for every game, and this team definitely gets up for every game. And if that's something that you can carry over into the winning years, then I'm all for it. Um, I, I do want to be clear, though. Like, I'm I'm not saying I want this team to lose every game. Like, I, I don't care if we win or lose. At the end of the day, like I've been saying it all year long, I'm treating this year like it's a movie. Like, I don't yeah. care if we win, don't care if we lose, don't care what happens. I just want to be entertained. I want to watch these young guys grow and have fun watching the game. And for the most part, that's that's been what's happened. So, yeah, it's been great. I think uh, we spoke about it a few times. How the effect of Chris Paul, I think, is going to have a long term effect on the Thunder. Uh, I think that the way he taught Shy and that seeming Thunder identity of never give up, which has come in the last couple of years, especially last season, has delved in this uh, this year. I think a lot of Chris Paul has rubbed on. SGA obviously SGA is taking the keys to the team so SGA is obviously rubbing off how he is to the rest of the team which I think is going to lead perfectly into the future and also leads on perfectly to the next question as well Uh, also the last question before we touch on a quick preview of the next week Uh, what are your thoughts on the rebuild how long is it going to last so for, for me I think we'll finish off this season the only player in free agency I particularly like is John Collins, but I do see him resigning in Atlanta, although they say they don't want to pay him the max. I would love John Collins in OKC, but I don't think it will happen. So I think it will be a similar season next year. And then I think in that big free agency class, 
in 2022 is when we start using some cap space. Two more uh, draft classes have been, so there have been more youngsters on the team. The likes of Shy, Dort, um, Baisley, Poku, Tio have got two more years on top of them. It's going to be time to start competing again then, using our draft picks to get in some all-stars, build around Shy, whatnot. That's what I think, but what do you think? Yeah, I'd say it's at least two or three more years. Um, I think that if you could make it stretch to the 2023 draft class where you have a chance of getting an Imani Bates, that would be ideal because I think Imani Bates is that dude. Like, he's going to be next. And not only Imani Bates, like, you got guys like Patrick Baldwin Jr. You've got guys like Victor Wibanyama from France, like the 7-2 dude. Scary. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's – he makes Rudy Gobert look tiny. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you have guys still in that draft class. Obviously, the 2024 class and beyond is kind of unknown uh, to me, at least. I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, this, these are the top prospects in this class. Like, this, this is who we got to try to get. And there's always going to be those guys in those draft class. But, no, I think if you could get two top ten picks this year is ideal. And – one of them be top five. <laughs> um, next year, I'm not crazy about anybody except Chet Holmgren, and I think he's going to be the number one pick. And I don't expect us to be – I mean, I don't know. We could be in the running for the number one pick. Um, if if we're in the lottery next year, we get our pick back from Atlanta. So we'll have three first-round picks next year too. And then the 2023, that would be the year that Imani is there. So – I, I really want a money <laughs> but no, man, I, uh, you know, I'm like, like I said, I'm just, I, I think if after three years, we're not seeing like the improvement that we need, we're not seeing us, you know, in the playoffs, we're not seeing us getting past the first round for the first time. It would, what would almost be a decade at that point, just crazy to say and think about, but if we're not making the steps, then I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. But like I said, man, I, I, I trust Presty. I trust our scouting department. Like we've mm-hmm. had historically great scouting team. And I trust the development of this coaching staff. Um, and I, I trust Shay. I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of conversation on whether he can be the best guy in a championship team. And, I mean, I've I've been on this since last offseason. I think he can. I can, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's not just his scoring, it's his uh, creating for his teammates, it's his, uh, he's not a ball hog, like he's always looking for his teammates, he's always trying to keep them in rhythm, and he's just a good leader, man, and he constantly is improving. Anytime he has an offseason to go in the lab and work and add to his game, he's done it since his sophomore year in high school, so I see no reason for that to not continue. There's some things he could still add to his game, and I think he's going to do it, and I think he's going to be a problem for years to come. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that's kind of a lot of what it answers of saying. I think it'll be two, three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It'd be a bit boring if you just say, yeah, two years. Yeah, just that, that's it. <laughs> two years. But After no, that, I'm, I'm going to Houston. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never. April Fool's. <laughs> hey, it's after 12 o'clock now. That's bad luck. Not for me, not for me. It's 9.30. <laughs> um, no, completely. I agree with everything that you said then. I, I've, I've seen bits of uh, 
the French guy, I can never say his name, so I just say the French guy, everybody knows who I'm on about, and Amoni Bates. Um, I do think there's going to be a lot of success coming out of this rebuild as well. We're going to have all the pieces. As I said, I, I see a lot of these youngsters hanging around for a few years, and obviously unless we use them to try and get some all-stars in. I, th I think we're perfectly set up. It's only going to get better. I do see us getting a chip before 2030. I, I, yeah. I see I see that first chip coming this decade. I hope, obviously, as I'm sure you do and the rest of the fan base do, but it's, it's only going to get better. And we're still going to be entertaining to watch as well. Coach Dagnall's been brilliant since he came in. I don't think he's getting enough credit for mm -hmm. someone who's stepped up with only GD experience as well, which isn't a bad thing, but he took over very well from Billy Donovan. He doesn't get the credit. Um, so what we'll quickly do now is we'll have a quick preview of the next week. So what me and Brandon have, we have a bit of a competition where uh, we talk about the games of the next week till we likely record on either Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, we make a score prediction. So we'll win one, lose three, etc. I did race to a 4-0 win. He has, unfortunately, telling the viewers he did win again last week. So he's now pulled it back to 4-3. So seemingly Brandon can't tank either. Um, <laughs> but no, he's given his thoughts for next week as a one win and three losses. So the games are Suns away, Portland away, Pistons at home and the Hornets at home. I'm actually going to be really boring this week and say exactly the same as Brandon. I don't see... I see us winning one, but I don't see us winning two, and I, I do think we'll win one. I will just uh, have a bit of an outrage at the NBA for having games on at 3am in the morning. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bit selfish. I uh, do them back-to-back. Back-to-back. The Suns and Portland game, both 3am for me. Which obviously it's not as bad for you. <laughs> it's still like normal hey, times. I don't like those times either. <laughs> but uh, no, um, that's all for this week, uh, Dylan. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to speak to you again. It's always fun interacting with you. Give yourself a little plug. Tell them exactly what you're about, what you do, and why they should follow you. I'm sure all the Thunder fans do already, but if they don't. Hey, I'm I'm still lacking a little bit to have my uh, Podmate three count, so I'll take all the extra falls I can get. Um, but no, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, it's always a good time. You know, I was talking Thunder basketball with you, and uh, always happy to come on. Um, as as uh, Thomas said, you know, you guys can follow me at Thunder Chats on Twitter. You can follow our, our podcast at OKC Top at Thunder. We try to post twice a week. Uh, we're actually having Olivia Ponshaw on from the Daily Thunder um, on Monday. She was uh, someone you know, I was going to reach out to soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you still have her, but no, we're uh, we're going to talk about her journey. Um, you know, she's she's going to school to be a doctor, I believe, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we're going to talk about her journey, you know, through her education and how she got to Daily Thunder, and um, also her insight on Shea Gilgis Alexander's plantar fasciitis. So <clears throat> definitely check that out. Um, I haven't wrote anything in a long time. Uh, I'm actually kind of taking a break from Overtime Heroics. But who knows, man? Maybe I'll pop up on DailyThunder.com again here soon. Or, um, you know, I I'll be out there somewhere. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that that's all I got. <laughs> but, no, do check out uh, the OKC Topic podcast, guys. I'm not a podcast guy myself. Obviously, I record one, but I'm not 
a big podcast guy for listening to, but I do listen to the topic podcast. It is my favourite one. Um, No, that's all for this week. It's now bedtime for me. Dylan, thank you for joining me. Everybody go follow him. He's a great guy as well as a great fan. Uh, Hopefully next week we might have another guest. If not, I'm sure I'll welcome back Brandon with open arms. I say that really glumly. Dylan, again, thank you very much for joining me. Thunder up, everyone. See you next week. Yes, sir. Thunder up. Thank you.